Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben from the Lean Blog. This is episode number 18 of the Lean Blog Podcast for February 19th, 2007. This is an interview I actually recorded last November with Eric Christensen, the president of a company called Omnilingua. They are a translation services company based in Iowa. Um, so they're not a manufacturing company as we tend to focus on here in the blog, but I hope you'll find this interesting uh, for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, we're going to talk about uh, what it means for Omnilingua being a self-described Deming company, which of course comes from the philosophy of W. Edwards Deming. And we're also going to spend some time talking about how they manage standard work um, using a technology called Wiki. And um, there are some links uh, on the blog about what that means and uh, some examples of that wiki technology. Eric, it's a real pleasure to have you here on the podcast. I appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank you, Mark. I'm uh, excited to uh, talk to you about the different things we have at Omnilingua and this opportunity to uh, talk more about you and, and what you do. Okay, well, thanks. Um, I wonder if you could start off you know, introducing yourself and also you know, introducing your company, what you do, um, where you're located, and, and maybe what some of your personal background or. Um. Okay. Um, well, my name is Eric Christensen. I'm the president of Omnilingua, uh, which role I've been in since uh, January of 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been with Omnilingua since 1998. Before then, I was a uh, globalization uh, software engineer for the uh, WordPerfect products mm-hmm. um, with the WordPerfect, Novell, Corel, as they had that family. Yeah. Uh, for Omnilingua, Omnilingua is a uh, translation services organization. Um, what that means is we take material that has been created in one language and we translate it or we uh, take software and, and we help it uh, convert it to many different languages. Um, so if you've ever opened your manuals for your refrigerator or your microwave <laughs> and you can't find the English, uh, that's that's the work we do. Um, okay. And the languages, uh, because of our model, it can range from the typical as people see, like French and Spanish and German, into uh, some like uh, uh, you know some very obscure uh, India languages and stuff like mm. that. So uh, we go find the know-how around the world where it exists. Um, as far as Omnilingua's background as well, it's been in existence since 1980. Um, our current owner bought it in 1994 uh, because he wanted to work for a dimming company. Hmm. And he figured the only way to work for a dimming company is if he had uh, purchased it and ran it himself. Yeah, so, so. we'd definitely talk about that. Where, where is the company based out of? Uh, Omnilingua's headquarters is in Iowa, and we do have another office site in New York City. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you, you talk about being uh, a Deming company, and, and, and that was just one of the reasons um, why I wanted to talk today. I was wondering if, if you could um, describe what it means to you and Omnilingua to be a, a quote-unquote Deming company and, and how that ties into um, maybe some of the, the management approaches or, or practices you have and, and how that ties into lean and, and continuous improvement uh, practices as well. Okay. Um, what we mean by dimming companies is really trying to base our organization, especially our management model, on a dimming system of profound knowledge. Um, and the frustration our owner had um, before he bought Omnilingua was most mm-hmm. people, when they when they would do dimming, as they say, uh, really uh, got into the control charts. 
and statistical process control. Um, but he understood as he uh, worked personally with Dr. Deming and studied him that he understood there's a big aspect to Deming's philosophy that deals with people, the psychology of people. Mm-hmm. Um, also deals with uh, learning and knowledge. Um, and he felt those aspects were always missing. So as, as he took over on Lingua and brought this philosophy, he started implementing these ideas on how do you treat people with respect? Um, how do you uh, motivate a, a staff um, to bring out their intrinsic motivation? Whereas most of the management models out there, you know, a lot of it's extrinsic motivation, yeah. either through threats or enticements. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, just uh, one detail uh, sure. I want to ask. I mean, so have you abolished <laughs> the annual review? For yes. example, within the company? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, we don't have annual reviews. Uh, first thing he got rid of was uh, sales commissions. Mm. So our sales staff is all on salary. Um, he also got rid of the uh, production bonus plan. And so our company shares in a uh, company wide profit sharing. Um, that's the same amount for everybody in the organization. Um, so it's it's really set up as a team effort. And if we're successful, we share. If we're not mm-hmm. successful, we all suffer. Yeah. I mean, can you give a couple other examples of, you know, maybe in, in day-to-day practice how the, the Deming approach is applied? Um, well, uh, it's hard to pick out. Um, yeah. One, I guess one key area is we use suppliers, um, and we really have been moving towards uh, Deming's philosophy of a single-source supplier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that's, and that's hard work, as, he, as, as Dr. Deming talks about, um, because you really have to, to create organizations that uh, are working closely together who have the same uh, philosophy driving them. And uh, we spent a number of years looking out in the marketplace to find suppliers uh, in, in Europe and in Asia that uh, would have similar philosophies. And uh, so in that case, um, as we built these single-source suppliers, what that means is we don't bid out work. Mm-hmm. Um, in competing things, we set up long-standing uh, pricing structures. So that means my staff doesn't have to spend a lot of time uh, trying to figure out, you know, negotiations or who to use. They know exactly who to go to, how much we're going to spend with them, and they can just get the work done. Um, so it works out really well there. Um, on our client services side, really, our, our focus we always take is long-term. Um, and that's hard to do because a lot of times people mm-hmm. just want to say yes all the time to clients. And sometimes you may need to tell a client no because it's not good for them long term. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe something for our organization as well uh, that may be a threat to us. Um, and so, you know, we really try to empower our service staff. And I think because they don't have the uh, commissions or the incentives or the annual rankings uh, to worry about, they can really deal with client issues and they can be open and honest with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to uh, to solve those and, and make things better. Yeah, and, and does that help employees being more open and honest with each other, with with maybe some of that internal competition taken away? Yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of uh, internal competition. I think uh, from the nature of the work, when you always you have you know service staff and production mm-hmm. staff kind of always compete, but uh, um, it, it does take that element away. If you have a, a salesperson who's bringing in a large opportunity. Um, and they may not fit that client, um, and we want to bring another staff member to take it over, well, the threat of losing mm-hmm. money is gone. Um, it's more just talk about what makes sense for this client. Yeah. So it might take away some of the dysfunctional competition that, that some companies might see with incentives and, and right. Needs, I would assume. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. as we, and as we hire our sales staff, that's that's always one of the things that we get pushed back on is is are we hiring sales guys who can't sell, <laughs> and so they want to have yeah. salaries, um, and 
and that's part of our hiring process. You know, we need mm-hmm. to find people who are motivated to do the selling aspects. And what we have found is we we find experienced salespeople who are tired of, you know, having to boost their sales two percent every single month or meet quotas or mm-hmm. who have their compensation plans tweaked all the time. Um, you know, the guys we have are very motivated. They're very experienced, and they they want to do the selling. They want to do the relationship building, mm-hmm. and now they don't have to worry about meeting these little games. They know, you know, their money's okay. They're going to get their salary, and they're free to work. And yeah. So it, it's amazing what they can do with that. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's kind of shift into um, our discussion. Our, our primary topic today was going to be um, uh, use of uh, a tool called Wiki um, for, for standard work. And before going into that, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how um, lean methods have, have evolved within the company. Either you know, was that an offshoot from the Deming philosophy or did you branch into you know, specific lean or Toyota production system type tools? Um, really, with us, um, as we say, we, we don't say we're a lean organization um, by any means, and that's why we use the term dimming. Um, mm-hmm. But within uh, the framework of that dimming philosophy, we're always out there researching and learning and looking at models and methods uh, to use. And so um, one of the things that attracted us, one uh, area we work heavily in is automotive industry. So you know we pay mm-hmm. attention to what's going on there. Um, and we've read some of the books uh, by T. Chiono. Um, mm-hmm some of his uh, books. We've also read Jeffrey Liker's uh, The Toyota Way book as well. Right. And uh, it's it really opened our eyes to some methods we could use for the production aspects of our work, um, which may seem strange you know, for a lot of people that, because we're a service organization, but when we looked at the way we have to process uh, material for our clients, a lot of it can follow manufacturing methods. And, uh, that's, and that's an area where we've really learned from... Um, you know, like the Toyota from like Tichi Ono. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other books we've we've read Jim uh, Womack's book, and that's just given us some ideas about you know how to. Um, it's nothing we adopt fully, but it's just it's given us other ideas on how to do sure. process improvements, organization, uh, you name it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's just another I guess basically tool in our toolbox is how we view it. Yeah. So um, maybe if you can talk about maybe the importance of standard work in, in the context of your production process um, and, and how that evolved, um, what, what kind of standard work you have, and, and that evolution into the application of the wiki technology. If you can sort of tell us um, how that evolved and, and, and what the wiki technology um, is applied to standard work. Okay. Um, well, a lot of our work in, in the service arena, as you can imagine, um, deals with people-to-people interactions. Um, but there is that component, as I mentioned before, that, that really gets down to how do you convert materials. Um, and, and since 1998, our organization's really focused on taking the knowledge of how to convert material out of people's heads. A lot of times that, that know-how runs around in project managers. Um, and we've really been working on ways to, to bring that information, to bring the processes out of their minds mm-hmm. and to codify it. Um, what this allows us to do is to grow our revenues without having to add more and more staff, um, which is a typical project management model. Mm-hmm. If you bring mm-hmm. in another large-scale client, you have to add more project managers. Sure. Um, and we've been able to not do that as we've as we've uh, um, increased our system know-how and 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 uh, through the documentation we use. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a certain productivity <laughs> aspect that that's come from standardizing some of the work methods. 
Right. Yeah, when I joined Omnilingua in 1998, uh, you know, I was uh, before then I'd purchased translations. Now I was going to be a provider of translation services, and the thing that shocked me was that if we had a project manager go out of town, that client's work would have to stop because nobody else really had a feel for how that work would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a good service to have to tell your client, well, you can order from <laughs> us, you know, yeah. on these dates between these times. Um, so that was one of the drivers behind standardization was, was again, to take this know-how out of people and put it in our system. Um, we've historically used network space. It was easy for us. It was cheap for us. And we just write Word docs and put them out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the questions we started having, is, as we, especially as we really started moving into the systemization of knowledge, was Word docs get to be paying to you know update and define and to catalog. And uh, so one of our developers had been searching around. And he thought, well, maybe Wiki uh, would be a good way to do it. It's it's a pretty easy interface. You don't have to spend much time training people. Uh, we could set up some standards. Um, it's accessible. A lot of times we can work from our homes or we're overseas on travel assignments. We can access it via the web. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seemed like it, it offered the flexibility yet some of the structure that we wanted um, to do for a standard documentation set. And so we began this, uh, we piloted it last November 2005 uh, with the basic deployment. Um, About that time, though, we got audited uh, by a a medical device company who's a stringent ISO 9000. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it turned out to be really good for us. We're not an ISO company. Um, We don't have interest in that certification process. But they they gave us some good pointers about um, responsibility assignments um, and kind of the ISO view of, of... how you uh, do version control and and paper trails and and Mm -hmm. all that aspect to it. And so based on some of the feedback from this uh, auditor, uh, we modified the wiki system, um, some that we use to allow us to to do these clear-cut, you know, responsibility assignments, have uh, the appropriate process owner sign off, um, retain control, yet at the same time allow the flexibility to remain to allow the people who are actually running processes day in and day out to modify documentation as, as they mm-hmm. needed and yeah, propose and, those changes. Yeah, and, and so for listeners who aren't as familiar with um, a, a wiki system or you know, Wikipedia, you know, probably the, the best-known example of that, I mean, is it true that, um, I mean, did you start off with uh, basically all of the users being able to make edits? I mean, that's typically a, a core component of the wiki approach um, is, Anyone who has access to that document can make changes, um, but it kind of you know, it makes me wonder: uh, how do you, um, I guess, get feedback from other people? You know, typically, you think of, or at least I think of, changing standard work document. You know, one person has an idea for an improvement. Um, you know, maybe you, you run a pilot, you run that idea past others, and, and the group or supervisor or or everyone involved um, has some sort of consensus over whether the document should be updated or not. Um, I mean, w- was it a real free-for-all at first with the wiki of having a lot of changes back and forth, or how did you manage that? Um, it wasn't too much of a free-for-all, I think, because in our system for the longest time, we've we really preach, you know, this comes from Demi again, about responsibility. Um, certain we have process owners, and they have responsibility. Um, so they were the main drivers of our documentation in the wiki. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have other staff members who participated, and, and it wasn't really much of a free-for-all because they're already working that way, and they had been for years inside the Word documents. Um, it was more of a matter of, of, you know, when we had the ISO audit, 
um, it's it's making our clients feel comfortable that somebody's in control that that you don't have that ability to go into a free for all mode, um, and that's and it also fit our philosophy that really um, those who have the responsibility for the process mm-hmm. in the end should control the documentation, and so we had the modification we had to make to the wiki was uh, we basically took collection editors and we made those. Uh, the only people who can modify the actual documentation within the collection editors, uh, which is our standard documentation sets, are the actual process owners. Mm-hmm. But we do have an area that the, the everybody else, um, including myself, if, if I want to make a proposed change to a process, I can copy a uh, page from a collection into what we have, we call our sandbox. I can make the okay. modifications you know, that I want to with it. I can sit down then with the team. I can sit down with the process owner, we can test it, we can check it out, we can see if it works. If it doesn't work, um, as you mentioned, you'll build that consensus, which is so important. Um, and then once consensus is, has been achieved, then the process owner can take that page and they just move it into the collection and it's done. Um, so that's that's kind of the hybrid approach that we've taken so far. Sure. And uh, for, for a certain set of documentation, um, uh, how, how many users um, or, or users of that process, or how many different people working off of that standard process, do you typically have? Uh, <laughs> it really varies. Uh, yeah. We're in the middle of a big production change, which is going to open it up to our, our total staff is forty people. So, um, you know, we'll have up to forty people accessing certain process documents and mm-hmm. and uh, following those. Um, other ones, you know, it may be a, a combination of three or four people. Um, and some of this documentation set as well goes out to our suppliers so they can see here's the processes that we're following um, and then they can look at it and, and provide us feedback if our process is causing them pain um, they can say well you know maybe you can change your process and and do you know this and this and that will help us so we don't have as much pain from your process yeah because I, I can imagine with um, with the technology with the wiki technology one of the advantages would be um, working with people in, in virtual teams or, or different locations um, and, and sort of facilitating some of that um, process with professionals off in uh, different parts of a business. I, I, I think, you know, the consulting organization I'm a part of, we have um, consultants and peers of mine all over the U.S. and, and over in Europe. And, um, you know, one of the reasons, you know, from a personal standpoint, I've been at, you know, wanting to learn about the wiki approach is wondering, you know, how could we as a professional services organization um, ap- apply that to, to some of the standard methods that we try to use as consultants? Yeah. Well, and the beauty of it, too, is is because it resides in a web server. Um, you know, sometimes if you're out on the road, you can access the Internet um, and if, you know, versus accessing a network space. And, uh, you know, you can see things, you can easily modify it and we just found as well because um, you know it's really simplifies the document creation process uh, the issues we always ran in using word or other documentation programs or people tend to want to uh, make these things all dressed up and fancy and mm. and they're using all sorts of different styles and fonts and and really with this approach um, we can really limit the kind of tool set we want to be used and it keeps it you know, simple and basic, easy to read, and keeps people focused on the content, mm-hmm. uh, which is an important aspect, not the actual document look and feel. Okay. Um, so, I mean, do you have any general advice for um, people that, that might be looking to apply 
um, the wiki technology as far as um, resources or um, software platforms to, to look at. And then maybe the other question in, in along with that would be about security. You mentioned the Internet. Um, you know, can, you, can you have this hosted on internal servers that you know, would be behind VPN or firewall access for people? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, for us, uh, because we're a Microsoft.net shop, uh, we found a, uh open source uh, application that uh, works with the .NET. Um, I know of others that are using, you know, Linux versions and things. Um, they all seem to be basically same functionality to it. The the biggest uh, hurdle we really had to overcome um, was how to take our network infrastructure because there's a certain way you'll organize your material on a network, and how to how to organize that material in the using the wiki and what strengths the wiki could bring. That was really our biggest challenge. Um, was how to create our collection editors and and uh, um, how to get our you know if you have documentation for instance that goes many levels deep how do you want that to behave within your wiki system mm-hmm. um, and so spend the time planning that right because uh, when we first deployed we were just playing with the technology and we just thought well we'll just take our network structure and slap it into the wiki format didn't quite work that well mm-hmm. um, so we spent some time going back and deciding how do we want the uh, uh, documentation to work because the the beauty of wiki is is ease to link to documentation and information and so you really need to you can really get out of that mode of hierarchical structure um, mm-hmm. as far as network and storage locations to accessing information and that's really the power of wiki it's easy yeah. to link to know-how and, and information well so and it, it sounds like in, in true Deming style you went through a couple of PDCA cycles of <laughs> learning how to apply that that technology for for what you needed it for yeah, that's right. Um, like I said, we started deployment last November um, in a testbed format. Um, we went through a couple of different iterations over the spring of this year um, before we finally solidified, I think in July or early August. Um, you know, We finally got a feel for how it works and what we want to do with it. And so uh, since uh, kind of September was our kickoff date, as we're now really using this as our documentation standard system. Well, good. Um, well, I appreciate you joining us today, Eric. I think it's a, a really, you know, kind of unique, cutting-edge application of, of the technology for standard work, and I appreciate you sharing your experiences with that and a little bit of insight into, you know, what it's like to really try to live as a Deming company. It's really, uh, really interesting stuff. So I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Mark, and glad to talk with you and, and uh, share our experiences. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.